Are you still suffering from supply chain issues? Are they disrupting your operations? Well, have no fear because Graybar has you covered and you can rely on their nationwide logistics network to get what you need, where they need, when they need to get there and all within budget. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical communications, data networking, industrial products, literally supporting products of any industry, construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, it doesn't matter. Just one clear mission to serve as that vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. So here's what you need to do. Visit graybar.com to start an order today. Visit graybar.com to start an order today and fix those supply chain issues with Graybar. First cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gabin, and this is your DFS preview for this week's RSM Classic. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? Oh, Rick, what's going on? Uh, excited about the RSM Classic. Excited to see what this show has to offer because last week, I mean, I was okay, but you guys were on fire, and it manifested itself on Sunday. So uh, let's keep it going, guys. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, we're getting pretty good at this. We are we are getting into our groove. I think we are getting our finger on the pulse of the salaries and the ebbs and the flows, and especially this time of year where there's been so many new guys and then some familiar faces. Like I, I think we have done a fairly good job of navigating this this fall portion of the schedule. And uh, a big a big part of that is understanding the model, what's going to be really important. And I, I do think we've done a good job of that so far. And fortunately, there have been some places where it's been fairly clear. I've always thought the hardest events to preview and handicap are the ones that don't really have a, a strong correlation with what leads to success. And once you know what's going to lead to success – and there's a clear reason behind it. It it can you can weave out some guys pretty easily and weave in some guys and rule some guys out. So um, I, I think we've done a really good job of hitting the model, and that's led to some of the great success. And especially especially you, Rick, the Kokrak. I know I talked about it last night if you were watching, but the the Kokrak pick was just phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. We're going to see if we can find some more great plays this week for the RSM Classic. I'm going to share my screen right now. This is my website, rickrungood.com. It's where I get all my data and models and visualizations. And Sia Najad, uh, if you like golf courses, I've got two for you this week. Not one, but <laughs> but two, my friends, because we are going to be playing uh, the Plantation Course and the Seaside Course down there at Sea Island Resort. And if you remember back... Because we're going to get into this next year. At the start of 2022, there's going to be a lot of these. There's going to be like Pebble Beach and the American Express and Torrey Pines. So we kind of get used to this little uh, multiple course uh, idea that we have here. But this time around, two courses, which means golfers will play one round on Thursday at either the Seaside or the Plantation course. They will flip and play the other one on Friday. A cut will be made. And then the final two rounds will be played at the Seaside course. Does this at all... Before we jump into the types of players that have had success here, does this at all, the two-course rotation, 
change your strategy when it comes to making lineups or making wagers? So you all can feel free to disagree with me uh, if you want. But for me, it's a it's a pretty hard and fast no. I don't think these these two courses are are dissimilar enough for me to really be circumspect about what I need to choose on one and what I need to choose on the other, especially since we're, obviously we're only playing the one for three days and and then the, the one for just the one day. And I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's seaside on the three and it's plantation on the one Thursday or Friday. So uh, I, I don't really, I'm not really handicapping it differently based on those two courses. The only caveat and golf is a game of exceptions and caveats, Greg, the only caveat that I would make to that is if you're playing showdown, if you're playing one round on DraftKings, or if you're making something like a first round leader, wager um some books have gotten better at this but some will just lump everyone together and historically the plantation course has been the easier course it's a par 72 compared to the seaside's 70 so i would uh certainly lean on specific golfers at specific courses depending on the type of contest or the type of wager that i might be making especially if you're looking at relation to par Right. I mean, not only is it par 72 on the plantation course, but it's it's shorter. Is it still shorter? Okay, so they redid it. Uh, I have it up right here. So I think it was okay. So in 2019, Davis Love the Third, a pretty sizable redesign, and they reopened it in October of 2019. It is a 7,060 yard par 72, while the seaside course is 7,000 yards and a par 70. So they're very, very close 45 right. yards on the scorecard. That right. can obviously change okay. each day one to 70 and one to 72. Used to be shorter because they're basically, yeah. I mean, they're 60 yards apart. You spread that out. I mean, that you're talking about about three yards difference on each hole, but you got two, you got two extra par fives there. So that, that's a really big difference, especially in those single day c type contests that you're mentioning there, Rick. So um, I think that's a great ad and a great point. But to agree with Sia for DFS classic formats, it's it's hard, it's not a huge difference. Um, and the reason for that is if if you have the game that's going to work on the seaside course, which is really what you want to focus on here. The hope is that it works at the plantation course as well. <laughs> the only thing is you got to be able to go really low at the plantation course. It's, mm -hmm. it's really important to go shoot a great score there um, because you can get yourself a really good head start. So I guess to throw it back to you, Rick, would you have a preference in which day a, a given player starts on which course? Or is that just looking – because there's a good chance that you're looking too far into it if you're going that route. Yeah, that's basically what I have settled on over the years is that you are probably looking too far into it. Um, and this – this I, I've, I've run the numbers on this at basically every – single one of these. And the one where it gets really noisy is um, the American express because they want, uh, because well, let me, let me back this up. The problem is you don't get equal skilled waves, right? So the guys that play the seaside on one day might be on average a little bit better or a little bit worse than the guys that play plantation on another day. So when you try to look at like, is it better to play three consecutive days at the same course or not? It, it gets super, super noisy. And I have concluded that um, it is probably not worth the hassle of trying to figure it out. The only way <laughs> I would consider trying to figure that out 
is if there was a huge weather, if there was a, a huge weather implication on one day. And even in that scenario, you're still in the situation where, okay, I played the harder course on the harder day, which means I'm playing the easier course on the easier day. Do I want to play the easier course on the easier day or the easier course on the really hard day? What And I don't know how you answer that question. Um, so for that reason, I almost it, just completely ignore it and hope that the guys I choose go crazy on the plantation course and go crazy on the, on the seaside course as well. Um, that's my hope. And the truth is some guys will like the challenge of the harder course on the harder day. Some would prefer the easy course on the harder day. We're never going to know. So it's kind of a, a golfer by golfer thing. Seeing a job to put a bow on this, the, the model, the numbers, uh, this is, this is kind of the, the season of accuracy. You know, you look at some of the winners here, or at least the guys that have played really well. Um, Kevin Kisner, Webb Simpson, Brian Harmon has held his own at this event. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes has one here. Robert, Streb. This is a, a course, at least the seaside course, that um, is certainly going to reward you for, for be playing out of the fairway and distance, while always great, not necessarily a prerequisite for success. Yeah, and some of those guys that sort of drop the hammer off the tee, I mean, I think a lot of those guys will be clubbing down. But even with that said, you're definitely looking just historically, it's pretty obvious. You're looking for the guys that are going to find the fairway, like you said, and greens and regulation are high and, and they're pouring in putts. I mean, we're obviously looking for that week to week in terms of the putting, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to be leaning on the ball strikers more than anything. And, and, you know, we'll see it once we get into the 10 K and particularly the nine K range. There's a lot of ball strikers. I really love. Well, let's get into that 10K range. The small five golfer 10K range on DraftKings starts with Scotty Scheffler, $10,900, followed by $10,700 for Webb Simpson. I was hoping he was going to be in the nines. Louis Ustazen at 10-4, Cam Smith at 10-3, and Harris English rounding out the $10,100 uh, tier with his price tag. Now, Greg, when I look at this, I... I see guys that are certainly deserving of being in this range, but I also see some question marks. So how do we begin to assess the highest end tier of this RSM classic? Well, um, man, there, when you, first of all, you look at Scotty Scheffler, excuse my stammering, but to start with Scotty Scheffler there, it, it's hard to ignore what he's done recently. It's really hard to ignore that. And I'm looking at a fourth place finish at the worldwide technology championship. I'm looking at what he did last week in Houston as uh, with a fourth place and a tied second finish. And I love that. But the other thing that really strikes me is the way that he hit the ball last week. It's fantastic. So not a lot of, not a lot of weakness there in his game. It's his third week in a row playing that can be um, that, that can be a really good sign for a player of his ability. So it, it's hard for me to look at Scotty Scheffler and find a reason not to play him, except he's the highest price player. And I wonder, I always wonder when guys played really well the week before, was this the peak? Now he's played well. I, he played pretty well at the RSM once. I believe it was it last year, Rick. He, um, I think he had like a T it was two years ago. He didn't two play years ago. Year. Yeah. 15, what was it? A T 15 T five, even better a T five T five, yeah. even better. Right. So that makes sense. He's, he's an accurate driver of the ball, even for a longer hitter. He he's, I mean, in total driving, he's really one of the best guys out there, which I like, I liked what I saw with his iron play. 
I wasn't crazy about what I saw in the greens, especially on Sunday. So I, I'm Scotty is my biggest question mark right now. And a lot of it has to do with how good it looks on paper. My question is, where is Scotty Scheffler emotionally? Hmm. And I'm hoping uh, again, I'm, I'm in this situation where I, I sit on the fence because all the numbers and the data to me says, yes, play, you play Scotty Scheffler this week. But my eye test on Sunday says maybe there's, is there a little fatigue with this guy? Is he not ready? Is he, is he going to be hungry this week or is this the last day of school and, and you're coasting? And I, I don't, I don't know where he is. And that's my struggle. And it, it, honestly, because he's the highest price player, it, pro- it probably pushes me away a little bit. $10,900 for Scotty Scheffler. It's one of, I believe this is going to be the sixth time that he has been over $10,000 in his career. If you look at just the stats for this season, he's played 14 rounds. He's averaging 1.2 strokes gained per round. It's the fifth best mark in this field. Sia Najah, do you share similar concerns about Scotty Scheffler? Is there a uh, golfer in this $10,000 range that you would prefer over him? How are we allocating our most valuable dollars at the top? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm concerned about Scotty Scheffler. I just like another guy way better, and it's not Webb Simpson. Uh, it's Louis Oosthuizen. And I only say it's not Webb Simpson because I can't wait to see when ownership starts to come out because I, I feel like people are going to say, Webb Simpson, I got to lock him into my lineup because well, he's such a good course fit. Can I – Can I? let's let's pivot to Webb here for a second. He mm-hmm. is such an interesting guy. I, I mentioned when I, – I was hoping he was going to be priced like $9,900. Me too. He really didn't have a great year. He was battling uh virus. He was b- battling injury. I was thrilled to roll him out here, like just buy low on web and we didn't get it. See ya. And I am still very bullish on what Simpson's going to do probably here and over the next 18 months. But man, I was really hoping to get a steal. So I, I agree. I think ownership is, is going to be very interesting when it starts to roll in on, on web and some of these other guys. Yeah. And just from a game theory standpoint, I kind of wish he was like 9,900 too, because I still probably wouldn't have played him. And, and, and it's only mostly because he would have been super popular. And I, you know, it's it's an obvious fade for me in that case, no matter the course fit or history. So, uh, you know, here I think at ten thousand seven hundred, he's still going to be pretty popular. But I just, if I'm if I'm banking on course fit and track record, particularly recent history, I mean, Louis Oosthuizen just seems like the play to me. I mean, he has just the putting has sort of let him down over the last four tournaments or so. But there's no question that Louis can putt. That that's not really a concern for me. And if you look at his ball striking, I mean, it's. It's pretty amazing over, you know, however far back you want to go. Strokes gain approach. The off the tee game can be erratic. I'm not super worried about that here. He's going to be accurate. He's going to crush it on approach. And we know he can pop with the putter. Uh, he's he's where I'm starting a lot of my builds. If I'm not starting them with Louie, a lot of times I'm starting him down in that 9K range with a guy we'll talk about in a second. Louie has lost strokes putting in four consecutive events. That is very rare for someone who has basically turned into the best putter on the PGA tour over the last year, or at least the last season by tour uh, season standards. So Louis Oosthuizen is here. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not a Cam Smith guy. I might be a Cam Smith guy this week. Uh, he, he is literally like one of the best players. So here we go. If you go back like last 16 rounds, last 32 rounds, last 48 rounds, Cam Smith's name pops up a lot and I don't really know what to do with it. I think I will probably 
go towards Cam Smith as kind of maybe a, a, a pivot option, Greg? Because let's be real. You're talking about five guys in the 10K range. You can't play them all. Scotty Scheffler appears to be popular. Webb Simpson will likely be popular. I don't know how that shakes out for the rest of the guys in the 10K range. Well, I, I don't either. Um, and this is the hard thing about this 10K range. You have Scotty's on a hot streak. Webb Simpson has a great course fit. Sia loves Louis Ustase, and that's reason enough for me to, <laughs> to play him in my lineups. You have Cam Smith, who I'll talk about in a second, and Harris English, who's a, a local guy with a great track record here. So all these guys, there, there's a really good reason to play them all. But I look at Cam Smith as the most solid player in this field. You look at what happened last week um, where he is he finishes tied 15th. Mm-hmm. And Rick, he was a guy I know for you, what he was a, a fade for you. Yes. Um, and for me, I had him as a top 10 guy. So we were both wrong on that. But on a, the reason that you had him as a fade, I thought was quite interesting. Um, and it was his success or lack thereof on long par 70 golf courses. This certainly at, at in Houston certainly was, but he was able to perform fairly well. And I'm starting to wonder is that just the floor for Cam Smith? Uh, is, is that what we're going to get in a week that doesn't really go great? I, I know he, he holds some putts and and he hit the ball nicely uh, aside from the driver last week. But that it seems like kind of a normal week for him. And so I'm looking at this saying the approach game is really strong. He typically doesn't lose that badly off the tee. And he's been putting really well. He's he's gained at least two shots in his last two events. And the the two events before that were back in the playoffs. So he's off to a really nice start putting this season and approaching the green. And when Cam Smith's approach game improves, I, I look at that as a ma- as massive upside. So yeah, I, I, I kind of think he's my top. I love Webb but I just, I don't know if he's ready yet. I don't know where his game is right now. So I I think Cam Smith's my top guy in this range. Let me jump in real quick because I love Cam, Cam run Smith. I I call him Cam. Does he want to be called Cameron? Is this a situation with Matthew Fitzpatrick? um, Fitzpatrick? No, I I don't think that, I don't believe he has uh, told us, call us, call me X. It feels like he wouldn't care. I mean, he sports the mullet and the mustache. It feels like he's just like freelances through life and he's just good with whatever. But with that said, listen, I was all over him last week. I liked him quite a bit. I mean, he he served me pretty well, not not well enough, frankly. But I, I think this is a really good play this week too. And it's for two reasons. One is because he's not going to be, well, I guess the main reason, he's not going to be that popular. In this 10K range, he's going to be the least popular guy. I, th- that's just my assumption. I think Harris English is going to get just enough popularity to, to overtake Cameron Smith. And I think the other guys will definitely be more popular. And, and Smith doesn't rate out super well in the, in the modeling, you know, week to week. So that's another reason he might be kind of down. He doesn't have any course history here, at least not that, in the last five years. That's, that's, that's the thing. This is a, a strong week for course history. And the fact that he's never played it, th- people are gonna be like, ah, well, I can find guys who have. You know what I mean? That that right there, see, I I think I'm I'm with you on big time. But yeah, where are you? Where are you guys with that? Is that a negative? Does that stray you away at all? 
or no? It would it would stray me away if it was a weaker golfer. But with Cameron with Cameron Smith, I don't want to call him Cameron Smith. We're gonna to have to have a call him Cam Smith. Oh, call him Cam with, Smith. With Cam Smith, it's just not something <laughs> I'm super concerned. I'd like to for him to have history, but you you take the good with the bad. If he had history and if it was relatively good, then he'd get ownership. And we're playing DFS here, so it's almost a, a net positive that he does have any course history here. It's like buying early. I mean, how like how would early. you not? How would you not buy early on this guy who's just been, I mean, you're right. The The fascinating thing about him is he doesn't really show up in models. He defies the models, but mm-hmm. the reason for that has been the, uh, the uh, approach play. And from when, when I look at what he's done of late, it's done nothing but get better and, and start to really pop. I mean, at the Northern Trust, he gained eight strokes approaching the green, and and he's gained in both of them at at the start of this year. And and there's a lot more green going on than there is red in that sure. column. And and that's a kind of a new tr- trend. For a while, there was a lot of red over there, um, and and it's starting to turn green. So this guy, to me, is gaining a lot of confidence, becoming a better ball striker, and he still has that that scrappy short game putting mentality which i just i think it's just a perfect combo let me just let me just duck in real quick because one thing just from a roster construction standpoint i've just built a couple lineups you can't because the 6k range in my opinion is rich with guys that i think are going to make the cut you can start if you want to it's it's plausible to start your lineup with louis and cameron smith or louis mm-hmm. and let's say a, a Corey connors and have plenty of money to, to spill around uh, in that sort of seven, eight, and six K range, but I think a build with Cameron Smith and Louis is going to be very different for a couple different reasons. Speaking of Corey Connors, he leads the way in the nine thousand dollar range, small little nine thousand dollar range. Connors, Neiman, Russell Henley, Alex Norton, Taylor Gooch, Kevin Kisner, Adam Scott. That's it, Greg. That's it. Those golfers. Um, I've got my eyes. So focus on one of these guys. There's a couple that intrigue me, but where would you like to start here in the nines? I mean, again, it's hard for me to not go back to the well with Russell Henley, another Georgia guy with a nice tied seventh finish last week who may be the best iron player in the field. Um, I mean, he's certainly right up there with them. And I just, I look at that ball striking I look at that iron play and I think it's so important this week. Uh, driving accuracy, as we talked about earlier, is is really important. But a, a, a lot of players this week hit a lot of the fairways. And so a lot of guys are playing from the fairway because you don't have to hit driver. Last week you had to hit driver because it was so long. This week you can club down. You can play a little bit of a strategy game. And it, it puts a big premium on that approach play. And I, I look at Russell Henley with hard eyes this week. So um, he's another one of those guys. It's just, it's looking so good. And he putted much better last week. And even the Worldwide Technology Championship, he shot a 76 in the Saturday round. And and that T56 finish, I, I, I completely write off. It was just one round. The guy's been playing great golf. So I'm all over Henley again this week. 
Henley is indeed the number one approach player in this field. Basically, no matter how you slice it, 50 rounds, 100 rounds, you go a little bit, uh, you go a little bit shorter, you go to 24 rounds. He's just second to Tom Hoagie. Um, yeah, he's he's that guy in approach. The other thing that's also interesting, he's a very good Bermuda grass putter. Uh, very good. In fact, it's by far his best surface. So uh, certainly do not mind going back to Henley, who has had uh, success here in Sea Island, but he is not. He's not the one I'm laser focused on, Sia. He's not the one. You got any guesses? I mean, it has to be Corey Connors. It has to be Corey. It Connors. has to be. It is. Yeah, it's Corey Connors. Uh, do we have a narrative? Do we have a narrative with Corey Connors? Yeah, he's very good at golf. <laughs> I think there's another narrative, though. I think there's another one. Um, is there I, like a I Canadian narrative? He... No, I think he ha- just had a baby. Baby swag? Ooh. I think there's a. I think this is a new. Is that dad. why he has not played in a month? Corey Connor. Yes. Baby. If I miss this narrative, I'm just going to be really disappointed in myself. Um, so I hope you're wrong. Well, see, you're not. It's Monday. You haven't missed it. I know, but I yeah, I, sh- I should know this. I should know the narrative related news. First of all, I, I'm not even sure if it is in the news. Well, okay, Google is a weird thing. First of all, so they are uh, him and his wife Mallory were expecting this fall. I do not know if she has had the baby um what is really weird is you can find the baby registry online so i guess if you want to buy Corey connor something wait uh, are there gifts still available to buy uh let's buy something uh uh, jacob can we buy something and and just be like the first cut team there is a do we have to send something from the registry because we can send a baby bjorn toy bouncer with googly eyes Oh, that we can get off of Amazon for fifty nine ninety nine. There's some uh, oh, three. What does Jacob say? Yeah. We've got plenty of stuff over at the uh, store, the CBS Sports <laughs> oh, yes. first cut store. First cut uh, baby, baby baby onesie. Uh, no baby onesies, but you know if I'm looking over okay. the first section, we do have a pint glass. We've got some hats, <laughs> uh, and that would be store.cbssports.com. And uh, you can go in there. You can find first cut, early edge gear. You know, sort by podcast stickers. I got stickers. I throw them all stickers. over my stuff. Maybe Babies like stickers. Kids love stickers. It's like their favorite I just thing. we just got my niece. We got her a sticker book for her birthday. Kids love stickers. First cut right. podcast sticker book. We'll send the Connors Let's some, uh, the some Connors. first cut pod stickers. I'm sure that'll be so well received. <laughs> uh, so I cannot confirm nor deny whether uh, baby Connors has actually yeah. been born. But if, if if baby Connors has been born, we've got ourselves a narrative. See, this is just my I'm assuming that because he's playing this week and knowing that they were expecting and kind of holding off on uh, some playing and some other things. I was I'm, I'm kind of expecting that it has come out. Um, but I don't know that for sure. So yeah, maybe there's a little narrative here. It has come out. Was that? Like <laughs> I, was just, yeah, no, that I was not a pun. There was no pun I was just let that go. I know. I I heard it when it came out too. I thought you were both gonna let me go. Uh, I I tried. So well, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll change the subject. If you're yeah. looking for ball striking, and you're if yeah. you're looking for a good narrative brought to you by Greg Ducharme, and if you're looking for great course history, I mean Corey Connors like literally checks all of those boxes. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. It's, it's, um, 
we've talked about this a lot. There, we got to the point of Corey Connors fatigue where we were expecting the win, expecting the win, expecting the win. It never came, but he played great golf. He was finishing in the top 20 every single week. He's continued to do that. He has not lost strokes off the tee since the Genesis Invitational. That was in February. It was like 20 events ago. He had an outlier, horrible approach week at Shriners. It was over a month ago. He'll be right back at it. Like he's a bad putter, but he's not as bad on Bermuda. He's played well here. Like it's just, it's Connors. It's Corey Connors is, um, I believe to be the class of the $9,000 range. Uh, See ya. How do you, when you, um, run your models, how do baby narratives and birthday narratives compare? Yeah, is there so one stronger than the other? It's oh, a whole definitely. separate model. Yeah. Um, the birthday narrative is a, is a bit stronger because there's other factors that go into the, the having a baby recently with like terms yeah. of like sleep and things of that nature. That's but why I asked. The, the narrative model, narrative gained uh, is, is a whole different thing <laughs> that gets actually worked into the main model and usually has a weight of between 20 and 30 percent. I think you need to check now. I think you need to check narrative gain. Baby swag is like, see, that's that's top narrative. That's um, you know what that gets you? That gets you perspective. Rick, uh, and once Rick, you have perspective on the course. Rick, I can tell you with the, the guy <laughs> with experience having children that sleep and distractions are something to be factored in that maybe okay. you're not dealing with at the Fair moment. Enough. So that Fair can be a plus depending on the time parameters at which those things are happening and it can be a minus. So. All right. I will, uh, I will defer to to your experience on that one. Uh, so we've got Connors, we've got Russell Henley that still leaves us with Taylor Gooch, who for one round last week, Greg, we all thought it's happening. He, it's going to happen. He's winning. Uh, and then he did not play particularly well over the final three. Are we going back to him? And then of, of course, we've got to talk about the guy who's, uh, won this event, holds the tournament record, uh, finished runner up to Robert Streb last year has dominated at sea Island. His name is Kevin Kisner. Uh, so Gooch that, because because I like and I, I like Corey Connors as well. I, I like Connors. I like Henley so much. I, I'm I'm inclined to stay away from Gooch. I, I actually I think Alex Norton has a chance to play really well also. So I, I would take and I know they're all priced higher, but Connors, Henley, Norton would all go ahead of Gooch in my order. And the reason is simply, what did that mean? What what happened? last week and because it, it wasn't one round like russell henley had the saturday round at mayakoba where he shot 76 mm-hmm. one round um I, I have no problem saying we had a bad round and for the most part i don't have a problem saying we had a bad tournament but when you're on a hot streak and then all of a sudden you play three rounds like that in a row i i don't know what i'm gonna get and i don't feel like he's if it was webb simpson i would say okay he's been playing really well he had a bad couple days and he's going to a place that he loves yeah i'll still play i can write that off but for for taylor gooch i still have this question in my mind of it has this run in the fall is this just a time of year thing or is this something has he really changed as a player and until that's answered i can't go back to the i can't go back to the well in this range yet um and then and kevin kisner the Mm. problem with kids is you're going purely on course history because the the results have not been very good ever since he wins Wyndham. But then you're looking at a miscut at tied 66, a miscut at tied 54th with 
Pretty and, significant losses in the in the approach game category. And those two with the 66th and the 54th were no cut events. So it's not like like he would have been cut if if there were if there were cuts to be made. Um the Kisner thing, Sia, is fascinating. And on this Monday afternoon, I'm I'm really torn because you have a guy who has really dominated here. Uh you have a guy who's only five starts off of a win. Now Every start since then has been terrible. Um, but I I started to go back because I was deep down this rabbit hole earlier. And I started to go back and look at his lead-in form to some of these RSM classics in the past that he's had good success at. And last year, he was playing well leading into it. And in 19, he was playing okay, but there was a lot of unmeasured events. We don't really know. Um, he was playing well in, in 19. But then there was a couple of years where he was just, he was horrible. I mean, he uh, before his fourth place finish in 17, he was playing some of his worst golf in the five events before that. And, and it's just like, maybe he can kind of flip a switch when he gets here, but I will go back and forth on this probably three more times before Thursday morning. Yeah, it's a no for me. It's 9,200. I mean, I, again, it, it's it's sort of easier this week to, to do builds, DraftKings builds, but... I'm just not interested in the 9,200 Kevin Kisner. The horse history is very compelling, but that's about it. Now, can he do pretty well in this tournament and finish top 15? Yeah, probably. But I'm just not – I'm willing to take guys that that I think are – maybe have some good course history or I think they would if they played, plus their recent form is great. Kisner just hasn't been good in quite some time. I, I agree with you on that, Sia, where you get the the plus – I got the. I, I feel good about both things because it's ninety two hundred. If you're in the, when you get down to the seven k range, it's a lot easier to hang your hat on one thing. But Rick, to to your point on the course history, and it's not just the RSM. We see this. I mean, the the Wyndham, there wasn't great form before that. I think a lot of this has to do with course type. And if you just scroll through, you were looking on the Holy Grail earlier. Uh, yeah. which is great. And if you, if you just look at his top tens, you have Wyndham. That's a short course. Rocket yeah. Mortgage. That's a short course. Travelers T5. That's a short course. All bad, all this bad play. Now there is a miscut at the RBC Heritage short course, but all this bad play RSM classic short course. Keep going Oh, There's a, uh, there's the Wyndham again, short court rocket mortgage again, another short course and, and the same one. The Sony Open, another short court. These things, there's a specific type of course where he can play really well. Yeah. So maybe the recent form that we've seen, some of those no-cut events, some of the bigger golf courses have given him a hard time. That would be the only way I could wrap my head around doing it. But it just feels like a, it feels like a dice roll. So Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm it feels keep- like he's priced too high. I'm going to keep uh, chewing on that for a couple more days before I figure out what in the world to do with Kevin Kisner. Um, We've got to get down to the $8,000 range. The $7,000 range to me is probably the most exciting range. I think it's filled with riches. And then we'll go all the way down to the bottom to the six Ks and we'll find somebody uh, to make fun of. And then he'll probably almost win the golf tournament uh, like Martin trainer did last week. So we'll get to that. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a, a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all things brand that I want to talk about. And it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months. And it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance. And I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life, even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course. It really does turbocharge my recovery. It's something that I really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life. So go check out sunwarrior.com and use code first. And we're back. The $8,000 range, another smallish range here. Only what, 10 or 11 guys, Keegan Bradley, Justin Rose, Max Homa, Mackenzie Hughes. The middle is jo Joel Damon, Brendan Todd. And then the bottom of this range, Sia, is Mito Pereira, Seamus Power, Johnny Vegas, and Chris Kirk. Uh, a little bit of a grab bag here. Not a lot of great course history in the $8,000 range outside of the one-off win from Mackenzie Hughes or a one-off, you know, fourth place finish from one of these guys. But how are we figuring out this $8,000 tier? Yeah, there's a few guys I like here, and most of them are just really good course fit guys. Uh, one of them is kind of coming in with pretty good form, and that's Joel Damon, Damon yeah. at 8,500. Um, anybody want to guess how many strokes gained total he had last week at the Houston Open? Um, okay, well, the winner, so um, I think the winner was like 11, so he was probably like 7? 9? just nine he was just nine. under 10 it was like 9.7 or something like that so yeah, and, and I think it was 9.39 like, yeah just guessing <laughs> just oh to, there you go after you calculated <laughs> all of those shots in your head you just can't you just figured that one out look at me look at me inflating by point four just to bolster my argument but joel damon's damon's been coming in with good form i think he's a good course fit he's the type of guy that can really like get on fire he's yeah. very erratic just in general but if we're catching him at the right time i don't think anybody's really going to be paying too much attention to him at 8500 it's just a weird price for joel damon so he's a guy I'm definitely looking to. Uh, the next guy is Brandon Todd. Speaking of good course fit, uh, speaking of good course history, uh, Brandon Todd has had good course history here. I, I think, you know, off the tee game usually hurts him, but it's not because of, you know, terrible accuracy. It's usually because of his his lack of length. No, uh, he, had, he was the most accurate player on tour last year. Mm -hmm. Right. 
He's got the uh, the fourth place finish here in 2020, three made cuts in a row. And then the last guy is Chris Kirk. I actually kind of love Chris Kirk. He has really good course history here, but it's like kind of back in the day between I think like 2011 and 2014 is when he had most of his, uh, he had a first place in 2012 and then two fourth place finishes in between that time. But I just think he's a great course fit. He's coming in with decent form. 8K I think is a very reasonable price. And for the record, I think 70 to one, is a very reasonable outright price, which I've already bet. I would have probably pulled out the same guys. I would have added Mackenzie Hughes, which I think Greg probably agrees with. I'm just, I'm just overall not all that excited about this range, Greg. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think, I think Todd is a great pull. I think Damon's a great pull. Um, the guy, that, the one guy that we didn't mention here who has my interest would be Max Homa. Mm. And again, I'm with you. I don't love it, but I wonder if there's a little more firepower in, um, in, in his game. Can, is he really swinging well right now? And I mean, it's hard to, it's, I, I like he won two, he won three starts ago. Like, I know. Kind of crazy. And if you look at, this is such a great image here. If you're watching on YouTube, you see, all the green there's a lot of green in the in the ball striking side for a yeah. quite a quite a long time uh it didn't go so well at cj cup the week after a win so i would write those guys off for the most part <laughs> that's but right the, the, the hint <laughs> this is the evidence right here this one start yeah. from max homa <laughs> right that's why but look at the strokes gain putting column yeah and if you just start down at the bot every time it's green there's a yeah really low number in the result column. Yep. And it, now that worry, it worries me. Don't get me wrong. It worries me when I see all that red, but what I love is he's a, a good putting week away from nearly winning. And I, I think that exists a lot more than it does with Brendan Todd. Brendan Todd's going to putt well every single week, but he doesn't have that, um, that hinge point where he's yeah, a week away. What's more likely, uh, Max Homa gains four strokes putting or Brendan Todd gains four strokes off the tee or something like that? Like, it's more likely that Max Homa gains four strokes putting. Right. And if he does, he's going to finish in the top 10 and maybe win. So, I mean, maybe there's something with Max Homa going on that's kind of like the Kevin Na, Jason Kokrak thing where he's going to just start picking them off a little more often. He kind of already has. Yeah. Um, is, is the region a problem? No, he's won a quail hollow before. So I, I think he can do it. And I, I like that profile. So I guess my only point is in this range, um, he would be the guy that I think has the best chance to win in this range. And I, I guess I'm that's sold. the way I'd frame it. I think I'm sold on this. I mean, this is the, you're right, Greg, that this is the perfect example of like being volatile in a good way. Like his putting, it's all over the map. I mean, he'll lose seven, he'll gain four, he'll lose three, he'll gain six. But the weeks that he gains, he contends. The everyone anti Kyle Stanley. Yeah, this is this is this is a really good profile. Now we'll 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 spend a lot of time guessing which weeks he's going to gain four strokes putting. But <laughs> I don't know. Bet him bet him six events in a row and see if you're happy after those six. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm glad you said that because you I saw a tweet from you, Rick, about yeah. doing that with Morikawa. Right. If you bet somebody every every event for the season, it it does Max Homa fit in that camp for you? Looking at that profile there, 
Yeah, this is a pretty good profile. Now, I, uh, of course, uh, he's not won as often as uh, Morikawa has, but he's obviously won at longer odds. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really good profile. It's a guy that has a ball striking floor, which can get him inside the top 40 of most events. And then the weeks in which he finds a little bit of magic, either on or around the putting surfaces, which he does once every eight-ish starts, uh, he's he's going to contend, and then some of those contentions he's going to win. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good profile. I like it. As we are, can we should we move out of this eight K range? I'm I'm sad to admit, um, I have to take a week off from Seamus Power. Sia didn't yeah. play well last week. Has never played well here. I'll just take a pass, and if he wins, cry myself to sleep. But um, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure skipping out on the rest of this 8K range is like going to hurt me all that much. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, if we're looking at a couple popular names between, let's say, Mito and Seamus Power, I think Seamus might be the, the better play if you're just trying to go back to one of those guys. I don't really care about the course history too much because, again, this is a relatively, I, I don't want to say newer golfer, but back in 2020, 2018, 2017, obviously he wasn't the Seamus Power that was ball striking sure. the heck out of it, you know, a few months ago. So, I think I think Seamus is fine. Uh, I don't love it, but I think I'm going to be playing a little bit of him. And I only reference Mito because both of those guys have been super hot over in terms of names to be played over the last couple of months. Yeah, their their fall swing and back into the summer were were awesome. Uh, okay, seven thousand dollar range. So we had a small ten k range, a small nine k range, a small eight k range, and everybody else is in the seven k range. They threw everybody in here, and I think there are a lot of names that we can pull out of here and be excited about them. So let's just, I don't know, we can go back and forth here. Greg, give me give me one that is interesting to you, and we'll go until we exhaust these. Oh boy, there's a lot. Um, yeah. Just because I just clicked on his name, I'll go. I'll start with uh, with Patrick Rogers. Yep. Um, and what I've seen out of Patrick Rogers is a pattern. I know that these never they never keep working out, but we've seen starting at the Barracuda, tied thirteenth, cut, tied sixth, cut, fourth, cut. But he's really been hitting the ball really nicely. Um, and, and he is one of those guys who's a really good putter. He's put together some really nice streaks on the greens in the past. He has a second place finish here. If it was, uh, I want to say two years ago, he's got a second place finish here. So I, I'm a big fan of, um, yeah, there you go. He's got three a second and a T10 per, mm -hmm. so three years ago. Now, I don't love the missed cuts, but if you look at those missed cuts, all the, um, losing strokes in almost every area. I would say right at this point right now, he's hitting the ball better than he is at that point there. Um, pa pa Patrick so, uh, Rogers. Yeah. He's the first of many of these guys in the seven K range where they're volatile. You're, these are not safe options, but you can see no. kind of the upside. Uh, I'll throw the next one out. It's Adam long who we are now Love on it. this stretch of, uh, it's, I believe I counted it's 27 events in a row, 27 events in a row. Adam long has either finished inside the top 30 or mm -hmm. missed the cut. That is almost, that's almost impossible that this is still happening, but he's done it on the good side, three in a row and four out of his last five 11th in Houston. And we are, again, we're in this stretch where accuracy seems to be more important than distance playing out of the fairway is valuable. This is the stretch of golf that is really good for Adam long. And if you look at what he's done here, believe it or not a 30th and a 35th. So he actually finished outside the top 30 
two years ago. Shocking to see on the cheat sheet. So we've got <laughs> Rodgers. We've got Long. See ya. You're up. So, Greg, you just mentioned Patrick Rogers, who did really well here a few years ago. I got a trivia question for you both. This guy also did really well here a few years ago with, I believe, a fourth place finish. And last week at the Houston Open, he led the field tee to green, gaining 13 strokes. Who is this golfer in the 7K oh, range? Who led tee to green? Uh, you know, the thing that's crushing me with this is I was looking at the stat center. I was all over the stat center this past week. I was trying to figure out what happened and why guys did really well. Cause it's only the second year we're at the venue. We don't have a good read on it yet. And I don't think I clicked on T to green. I, th I looked at all the areas, but not the combo of T to green. I'm going to guess this is a wild guess and I could be embarrassing myself, but I'm going to guess Johnny Vegas. Rick, do you have a guess? Um, so no, I, Rick scoffed I, at me there. I, I, so <laughs> he scoffed it off. <laughs> I know, the, I know the ball striking, uh, and I know this guy lost a lot putting. So I'm just like I'm, I'm not positive. You're right. I You're right. Okay, is it Luke List? Yeah, it's Luke List. Okay. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Vegas, Vegas was a good guess in my opinion, but yeah, it's Luke List. He lost, uh, I believe, around six putting in game yeah. thirteen. T to Green finished tied for eleventh and has done well here before. Uh, speaking of erratic golfers like your Joel Dahman types, I think Luke List is is fit for this course. I think uh, he's a great play. Here's your last week: thirteen strokes gained from Luke List. Uh, T to Green, two strokes better than anybody else in the field. Lost six strokes putting, which was the worst in the field. Um, Johnny Vegas was actually not a bad guess, Greg. He was he was seventh from T to Green. All right, so, so not, not totally guess. embarrassing, <laughs> but but also shows you that like, okay. So Johnny Vegas was seventh, and he gained six and a half strokes. Um, Luke List doubled him up. Lukeless doubled yeah. him. The guy who finished seventh tee to green, Lukeless doubled him up. Uh, and Scotty Scheffler was up there too. So those guys kind of lapsed the field a little bit. Yeah, that's mm. that's nuts. The other Run thing, Sia, yeah, the other thing, Sia, um, for Lukeless is we have kind of seen him have a little success on like less than driver courses. He's a long mm. driver. He, he hits it long, but when he can kind of rein it back a little bit, uh, we've seen him find success uh, at times on these types of courses. So we've got three guys basically, you know, right here in the middle, 7,700 Patrick Reed, Adam Long is 75, Luke List 75. Greg, you got another? Uh, this is, um, this, yeah, there are definitely others in this range. The question is, who are the guys? Um, <laughs> no, that's and and who's my favorite? Because I loved... <laughs> <laughs> I loved the long, the Adam Long play. Luke List, I don't, I don't trust him. I'll be honest with you, I don't. Yeah, trust that's him. part of the Luke List experience is that you yeah. feel dirty. You feel dirty the whole time. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that. Other guys that I really like in this range would be the Matt Kuchers and the Brian Harmons, right up at the very top of the list. Um, and with Brian Harmon, I just there's no, the ball striking has not been there, so I'm, I'm a, away from that. So I'm gonna add my next one to the list. I'm gonna say Matt Kuchar because I've seen a little bit of an uptick in his performance, his recent starts. He's got a tie 29th, a miscut. Tied 36, tied 35th, tied 22nd. And I think getting on a golf course that uh, is a little shorter, he's a little more comfortable on, I think it can really help him, especially in that strokes gain off the tee area. So maybe, um, again, I don't like him as much as Rogers. I don't like him as much as Long. 
but I think I think Kucher would be a a rather safe play here, believe it or not. Kucher has made the cut in four of his last five events, dating back to the end of last season. Okay, I'll go next. Hmm. I think I'll go down to the bottom and I will go with Denny McCarthy. One Ooh. more go around for old Denny, who flies like up it. the leaderboard on Sunday in Houston, finishes 11th. So now he's got three starts in a row, 39th, 15th, 11th, has a top 10 here two years ago. Um, I just think we need to run him out there one more time. Much shorter course than they than they saw at Memorial Park. Um, I think we got to go there. So I'll go Denny at 7,000. See ya. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Aaron Rye at 7,400. Yes. Uh, he's made three cuts in a row. He was great uh, last week with the ball striking. Uh, yeah. Tita Green. I, I just think it's a pretty good value. Uh, by the way, 7.36 strokes gained uh, Tita Green. So uh, seems like a guy that that might be at a price where you're finding value. So that'll be my next guy. Aaron Rye um, was better off the tee than Jason Kokrak last week he was uh second on approach fourth on approach he was better than joel damon he was better than everybody but kokrak piercy and hoagie tita green fourth yeah aaron rye that's a good one and yeah uses iron covers um which I said, I said, what did I say to Jacob that one time? If Aaron Rye wins, I'd I'd put iron covers on for their year or something like That's that. That's right. You, you said you'd record a round. Yeah. Like oh yeah, I'd vlog a round. Patrick matchup. <laughs> so you know, just for the record, I was early on Aaron Rye, and you know, yes. see all this praise, and you know. No, but I was, I Jacob. I swear, I was just going to say you were first to market on Aaron Rye because you had him in the one and done, I believe, like a month ago, right? Yeah, that was for uh would have been for Bermuda, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think it paid off then, but it paid off every week after. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you were too you were too early. <laughs> too early. But hey, I Jacob, I appreciate the vision there. I mean, I yeah. we all know that feeling and there's something to it. I mean, that's it. You saw something. You're like a, a messiah of sort. So that's pretty yes, impressive. That's exactly what he is. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even want that smoke from Aaron Rye right now. He's playing too well. I don't even, I don't want to make any iron cover bets right now. Um, um, what do we think about? I got what? Can we go, go one more round? Yeah, let's go one more round. Um, Scott Piercy. Yeah. Okay. So I just had the Scott Piercy numbers up, didn't I? Yeah, led the field. Um, well, yeah, approach all week. over. So, yeah. so Scott Piercy is the same kind of model as the Max Homa model. Although what we saw last week was even in a losing week on the greens. And last Monday we actually talked about him in the same exact way, where good po po positive putting week equals top ten. Very yeah. simple formula. But we saw a tied nineteenth last week with a losing putting week. And I'm wondering if his floor is starting to rise. Know about the ceiling, but is the floor rising? I at seven flat. Uh, I I love that number for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, he's great. He's a great approach player. There's no doubt about it. And yeah. um, yes, his his popping putting weeks uh, are less frequent than Max Homa's, but when he gets them, um, he's gonna he's gonna be up there. And you're right, a T19 last week. Any lost stroke, he doesn't even need to gain 
three. He just needs to be like a zero putter. If he's a right. zero putter, he finishes top. And he's seven thousand. Like the the price, the difference between Homa and him is reflected in the price. Yeah. Um, so I I think they're both good values. All right, I'll go one more. Uh, Alex Smalley, seventy one hundred, has made five starts this year. Now with his full status, missed his cut in the first one. Obviously, that's what happens when you are now on the PGA Tour for the first time. You miss your first cut. Uh, has made his last four, 15th and 12th in Houston and Bermuda. Those are his last two starts. And he's basically a small positive in all four major strokes gain categories, uh, which is usually a good sign that you know you don't have one flaw or you're not relying on one aspect of your game. So 7,100, Alex Smalley, Sienajad, you get the last bite at the apple in the $7,000 range. Yeah, I wonder about this guy's upside. By the way, you you both took two of my guys because Piercy and Smalley were guys I was going to say. But um, I'm going to go with Henrik Norlander. I kind of bring him up a lot. His history here is actually pretty good. Lately, he's been making cuts, but really not finishing very well. Uh, but look at, I, I think it was fifth and second place the last uh, two of the last three times he's played here. So um, I'll, I'll just lean on the course history and the price here for Norlander. And he is um, not a great putter, but Bermuda's one of his better better surfaces he is making cuts he's finding he's fine in the weekend he's missed one cut since june not bad no it's pretty good probably better, probably better than what i thought it was going to be all right let's get down and dirty in the six thousand dollar range this starts with ramey higgs matt jones Stuart sink tom hoagie zach johnson and goes all the way down they did not put martin oh they did it again they oh my gosh and the guy this can't is... get off the min price he's finished fifth last week <laughs> so disrespectful it is disrespectful but i mean i understand why are, are, let me ask this are any of you taking them no finished fifth last week he's min price yeah he um let's see did he Gained do it all seven putting? strokes putting <laughs> yeah right. yeah <laughs> doesn't feel right Mm, I Still, hope he, he does, dude. Like I, I was getting tweets like on like Saturday or whatever, and I was like, "Oh my god, what did you do, Rick? Rick's or uh, Martin's gonna win this thing?" And I was like, "I hope he does." Like that would be an amazing, amazing moment for a guy who was six thousand dollars who's missed forty-two of fifty cuts to win the golf tournament. Right? That would be amazing. It, it's just it, when you're the example, it's I so know. funny. But I there's no bad. reason. There is no. It would have been a great case study. Cause this happens every once in a while you get the, the Michael Kim's and who's safe. Cause he's not, I, I don't believe he's playing. Um, but, but you get someone like Michael Kim who wins and sets a scoring record at the yeah. John Deere. Yeah. It, how do you, there's, there is no reason to predict it before. And there was clearly nothing there because for the rest of the time after, this was a, a miscut. So it, it would have been a similar situation with Martin Trainer. And all you can do with those stories is applaud them. But it, that doesn't mean you should have picked them. And I think that's an important thing to understand. There's a comment in the chat, Jacob. Uh, Risk Nerd says, Trainer's drive on 16 nearly hit me on Sunday. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm glad you, you couldn't kick it back out in the fairway. Just like put your foot up, let it, you know, let it, let it knock Help back the out. guy out, right? Yeah, he's struggling out there. He's trying to, uh, you know, he's trying to close this thing out. Glad to hear you're okay, Risk Nerd. Uh, thanks for, thanks for checking in. Sia, you were saying this 6K range is uh, full of good options. I would like you to tell us who they are. 
Uh, let's talk about Tom Hogue first at 6,900. Uh, gained six on approach last week, lost four with the putter, kind of like a, a, a poor man's um, Luke list, if you will, at least for last week. Uh, he's made five cuts in a row. His history here at the RSM is, is pretty checkered with a lot of missed cuts and, and some made cuts, some decent finishes. But um, I, think, I think Tom Hogue's playing well enough right now. Uh, and I think his game fits this course pretty well. So I like him. Let's go down to... John Hunt, 6,600. He's made five out of the last six cuts at the RSM. He had a tie for 15th at the Mayakoba. His history here is quite good. 12th in 2021, missed cut 2019, 37th, 27th, the two years before that. And again, this is John Hunt. Looks like this is a course he likes. He's coming in with good form. Michael Thompson, I absolutely love. I think he's a great course fit. Excellent history at this, uh, this venue. Coming off a tie for 15, just like John Hunt at the Mayakoba. So also coming into good form. And I'll mention a couple, just two more names real quick. Sahith Thagala, I just feel like I have to mention him. I mentioned him mm. last week. He, he ended up finishing, you know, below average. But uh, I like him to make the cut in this field. And the last guy, he's a social media favorite of mine, Jim Herman. He's made five out of the, six, five out of the last six cuts at the RSM, including two top 20s. And he's coming off a T54 at Houston, which isn't terrible, again, for a guy that's 6,200. I love me some Jim Herman. So let's um, Jim Herman is the guy that if you've blindly bet Jim Herman every single week, uh, you're up like a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he it's is, not a billion. He's but it's, exactly it's, the guy. He's what we just talked about. He's the, although yeah. it's gotten better, but he's like the, the Michael Kim, Martin trainer. I mean, Martin trainer did it himself, but he almost did it again last week. He, that, he is right there in that category. Um, Brian Gay also is who's in this range. Uh, I mean, you could argue Robert Streb is, right? I mean, yeah. he's he's been obviously not like a, a million missed cuts in a row, but, you know, pop off for a couple wins and then in between don't do much. Yeah. Uh, um, Michael Thompson, before I forget this, one of the better Bermuda putters in this field. Uh, he's $6,700. He's gaining nearly a half a stroke per round. It's about... 15th in this field, but there's probably three guys that don't have a big enough sample size. So we'll call it 12th. He's a very, very good uh, Bermuda putter. If you're into that type of thing, uh, Greg, I'm not nearly as excited about the $6,000 range as, as Sia is. I could point out Andrew Landry, highly volatile upside, shorter course guy, but um, find me, find me something here. You got anybody? Yeah. Uh, again, I'm with you, Rick. Uh, not my favorite range. Um, Sia, I don't know what Sia likes more, the 9K range or the 6K range. I mean, um, I could literally go for another five minutes on the 6K range. Would <laughs> <laughs> you just going to read off everybody's name? And... <laughs> basically. <laughs> basically. Including JJ Spons. There, I got one. Okay. Okay. okay JJ yeah, nice. was the other. JJ Spons I really do have a guy. One. All right, good. I really do have a guy, Ru Russell Knox. Um, mm. I I look at Russell Knox as a guy who does pretty well on short courses. For one, two, he's had a nice finish in Bermuda with a T12 last week. He missed the cut, but he did gain everywhere except on the greens. Um, and and he has been a really steady ball striker. Problem is, he's not the longest of hitter, not the best around the greens, uh, the putting. And I mean, it's almost like a Kyle Stanley looking profile. Uh, but he has played well here before. And I, I think there's a, a nice course fit. So um, we've, we've somehow been bringing up Kyle Stanley's profile every I single week. 
I love that we're, you? you know, we're in the 6K range when it was like, here's one thing about the guy. Also, the concerns are these nine things about the guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I may, Kyle Stanley, Please. the last two years here, sixth and 30th. He's in the 7K range. Uh, deservedly so. I'm just pointing that out. The, yeah, that's right. He's fairly priced, which is the problem. That is the problem. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, finally okay. Kyle Stanley gained strokes putting last week, missed the cut. That's hey, the problem. Can, you want to find that's the opposite the of Kyle Stanley? That, that that's actually incredible. Uh, you want to find the opposite of Kyle Stanley? Pull up Brian Harmon real quick. Oh boy. Oh, is it bad? Yes. Lately, bad. Yeah. I looked. Yeah, bad. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, that's staggering. What's what happening? Is, what what happened? Because he was so uh, he good was striping from, it. Yeah, remember when he rattled off like eight birdies in a row on Bubba at the match play or whatever it was? Yeah, like never stopped for the next three months. What happened? He was a world beater. We, yes. I mean, I think all we have to do is call him boring again because it was we we had a conversation in like January <laughs> last year about how boring Brian Harmon is just a boring play. And all of a sudden, he goes on this rampant pace of striping it and making birdie after birdie. And I feel like we we uh, have been too nice to him. So maybe once, we got to say he's really struggling. And now we'll flip the switch again. Once Mark told us that he saw him at the Fresh Mart, and we were all like, "Oh, cool!" So <laughs> Brian Harmon at the Fresh Mart. <laughs> he's been he's been bad since then. That was the moment yeah. we disrespected the, the guy. turning point. Oh man. Um. I think that'll do it. Let me just see here. Was there somebody there else a, here? Is there a what? Fresh Mart or is it Fresh Market? It might be Fresh Market. I don't know. Okay. What it, I don't know. I don't. Whatever. If it's Fresh Mart or Fresh Market, they're not out here, so I don't it know is, what it is. It is Fresh Market. Kentucky. Fresh Market. I, I feel like Fresh Mart is like the ripoff of Fresh Market, like McDowell's and McDonald's incoming. What, what is um? What is a Fresh Market? Is that like a Trader Joe's? Like what? What is it equivalent? Like a Whole Foods? Is it what's a what's a, an equivalent? Probably. It's like a Whole Foods. Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Jake. Like I'd say it's just like a step below a Whole Foods, but smaller. I think the stuff's better, uh, and you're not giving your money to Amazon if you're against that. But it's it's just a slightly tinier version of a of a Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Do you have a fresh market, Greg? No, nor do I grocery shop. Um, <laughs> so there we have that going. I mean, I, I guess there is a Whole Foods. We've gone to that sometimes. Um, there's a a place called Wegmans. Yes, uh, we go to. That's we need, a, Wegmans. That's really we need that on the West Coast because that is uh, oof, it's good. That's an experience. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm I moved from I've moved all over the place. So the groceries, and I've never been a big grocery store guy. Between us, <laughs> grocery store shopping is hugely underrated. Top five underrated things to do. Really? Yeah, it's not for me. I I have one time in my younger years, my far more immature years, I walked into moved to a new place. First day, where's the grocery store? Because what I would always do when I was uh, when I was single is I would and I moved to a new place. I would get I would do shopping. I would load up on groceries pretty much one time, maybe twice for the whole year. And then at once the that's whole out, year, or you're just buying like frozen foods. Well, it's, you're I mean, talking about six months stuff. So no then you start doing takeout and like things like doing that. a move. <laughs> no, after the move, right. I'm here. I'll, I'll load up. I'll use the kitchen. And then I get tired. Of, I would get tired of cooking. And now it, you're 
doing takeout stuff, whatever. So I walked into a, there was a, a Trader Joe's nearby mm-hmm. and it, Trader Joe's is all its own brands. So yeah, I walked is. in with a, with a cart Oh no! and I walked <laughs> out with an empty cart. And if you've ever done, if you've ever walked into a grocery store and left with nothing, it, people look at you like feels like you're you, stealing. You've stolen something. <laughs> Said no, I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so wait, you you're like you buy. So hold on, I'm sorry, Jacob. So <laughs> you you were only gonna buy based on the brands that you knew. So when you walked in and didn't know any brands, you just left. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I don't know what anything is. I can't find. It's not like they're what making is, new names for things. There's like, pictures like on the packaging. Pizza is still pizza, or like, uh, but is it good? I mean, pizza. I don't know. Is that a good? What? What's the? What's the deal? I don't know what this is. They haven't built any equity with me. But I will say now, <laughs> no win equity. You know, no, too none. risky. Six K range. Um, but my wife has since gone to Trader Joe's a few times, and well, I was wrong. Somebody is over there. Yeah, I know. So I, I was dead wrong about him. It's great. They have great stuff. So I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I will say, um, I if if it were up to me, I would never. I would just eat out every single meal. I would not grocery shop ever. But I guess when you get married, see what 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 are the pros of grocery shopping? See, just walking through the aisles. If it's a nice grocery store, just kind of cruising through the aisles and being like, ah, I I think I'd like to have that. I'm gonna put that in my cart. It's just it's just a it's like a little like shopping. It's like a Christmas, it's like food Christmas. It's Everything like you say cruising. Good. When you say cruising through the aisles of a nice grocery store, all I can picture is one foot on the on the back of the shopping cart and the other foot pushing along and yeah. and then standing up and gliding gliding along a nice new grocery cart that doesn't have a list to the left or anything. I mean, you can do that too, or just have your, you know, your podcast, your preferred podcast in like the first cut or the early edge or FFT DFS and any of those or 300 yards to unknown. And you can just kind of catch up on things as you're going through the grocery store aisles. It's a beautiful thing. Jacob, like, Jacob, you have to agree with me. It's like when Sia got grown up and he realized he could buy whatever he wanted and then he could go to a grocery <laughs> store. He's like, oh, here's like a 90 pack of Oreo cookies. Let's put that in the car. Grocery shopping's great. I got to say, where we just moved, there's a grocery store literally across the street from my apartment and it is the the best thing ever. I, I actually go to the grocery store. I don't do takeout. It's super convenient. Uh, I love it. It's something I'm going to take into future home ownership. It's like, can I walk to a grocery store? Wow. So do you take the grocery cart home with you and then bring it back <laughs> after? Usually, usually I'm only purchasing like one or two days worth of stuff, but I kid you not. I have, I have looked out my, my window and I have seen someone with the grocery cart going to their house just completely full of groceries do they let you bring in your own grocery cart that's another question well you could get like an at-home one you could get one and like and like wrap it with like first cut and early edge ads and then roll it like like your own golf cart and roll it through the grocery store yeah you think we should do a whole separate podcast on this because i have so much to say i'm just i'm just throwing (laughs) that out there a whole separate podcast on grocery store shopping brought to you by the first cut i feel like kyle would have a lot of takes on grocery store shopping Agreed. He's got a lot of takes on everything. So yeah, he's definitely going to have some takes on, on, on grocery store shopping. All right. <laughs> I, I hate to put a pin in it, but I guess we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, this has been your DFS preview for this week's RSM classic. Big thanks to producer. Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. See Najad. You can find him on Twitter at see Najad. That's great to charm. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD and you can find me at Rick run good. 
This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.